Hey, sustainable fashion supporter. Welcome to Recloseted Radio, a podcast dedicated to fashion sustainability and equipping you with the knowledge to do better in the world. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and I promise to support you on this journey to right the harmful fashion industry. You ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back. In today's episode, we are in for a treat because I am joined by Randa, who is the co-founder of Archive, Canada's largest consignment pop-up for men, women, and children. And she is also the founder and director of the Vancouver-based marketing agency called CL Creative Marketing. She's definitely a local Vancouver advocate for sustainability. She's also a blogger slash influencer. So I'm really excited to chat with her today. And without further ado, let's dive into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Randa. I'm so excited to have you on. To get things started, can you explain to us how you got started because you founded two companies, which is awesome. And I know when we met up to chat, you were also going like, oh, and I do this and I also do this and I also do that. So yeah, I would love for you to give the listeners an overview of what you do and a little bit about your journey. Yeah, that is such a loaded question. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> how much time are you yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I can kind of... How should I tackle this? So I went to school for marketing and management at the Art Institute of Vancouver. Um, I graduated in 2009, and then after that, everything else was history. Mm -hmm. I have been self-employed basically since the year after my graduation. So yeah, going on 10 years actually. So I was technically working for myself while working for someone else. So I mean, my my self-employment kind of goes back to 2008, if you will. Yeah. Um, And... I mean, how did I get to where I was? Honestly, it's the community. Mm-hmm. I networked so much and I built this community and everything that I did involved the community. And I feel like if you want anything, your business or a project or just anything to kind of grow and flourish, you have to involve the community because mm-hmm. essentially they're the ones that are actually running your business for you. It's yeah. not just you. So. Yeah, I mean, that was such a loaded question. I could break it down more if yeah. you have something more specific. Yeah, do you want to walk us through all the maybe ventures you've done? Because it's been almost 10 years that yeah. you've been an entrepreneur, yeah. so you must have done a lot in those last 10 years. Yeah. But maybe just like a quick list. Of- yeah. I mean, it always kind of starts with something you least expect. Mm-hmm. My um, self-employment and like my entrepreneurship kind of, I mean, if you really want to take it back, started when I was like four years old. And I tell this story often, but I used to sell my McDonald's toys to the other kids on the block. So I'd make my mom go to McDonald's and get me a Happy Meal, and then I would sell the toy for like a dollar. And then fast forward, um, I was a stylist assistant. I was a uh, production manager for an online magazine. But my first real, you know, this is a business happened in 2010, I want to say, when I was actually a full-time artist. Which is not something that I went to school for at all, but um, I had my blog before I started my artwork, and it was really my online readership that kind of struck this business because I didn't go into making art as a business. It was something for me, and then when everyone was asking where can they buy it, I decided to turn it into a business two weeks later. And then that kind of rolled into me using my skills that I learned in school for marketing to do things like you know brand development and social media um, and all the things that kind of come with the business. 
And then that kind of went into, okay, now let's actually just do marketing for other people. And then into my agency and into events and influencer marketing and so many other things. But it was all fueled by the community. Yeah, the community is honestly so important. And since you brought it up, I would love for you to go a little bit more in depth about CL Creative. How did you get started? Did it just organically happen? Would love to know. Yes, I would say that it was an organic beginning. I've been in marketing for 11 years and I love marketing. It's so much fun, especially when you get to build brands. I was doing it for small businesses, medium businesses, large scale businesses. I was, you know, a marketing manager. I was a sales manager, social media manager, all those things. And then it got to a point last year when I decided that I wanted to do so much more, um, not just in marketing, but also for the community, things like pop-up shops and, you know, workshops for business, for small business owners and managers. So then that's where CL Creative kind of came to be. That way I had a vehicle that could really take me down the avenue of doing those bigger picture things. Yeah, and starting your own business can be super tough. So I would love to hear what your biggest lesson or lessons have been from starting CL Creative. My biggest lesson from starting CL would have to be delegation. Mm. I would say that because I was really working with myself and for myself. And now I take on a team of people that work with me. Mm. And getting the, you know, getting your client's vision to come to life and having you grasp it is something that can come really natural. Mm. But then have that go through another filter, which would be your team member whether that's your branding expert, your graphic designer, your photographer, what have you, um, kind of really describing and delegating and letting their skill sets come to shine and kind of taking that step back. I'm someone that has to have my hands in everything. And, you know, you learn so much when you actually take your hands away from those aspects. So that was the biggest lesson by far. Just learning how to scale, learning how to work with more people, learning how to do those bigger picture things like the workshops and the pop-up and, you know, getting your hands kind of messy all over again. Yeah, learning how to delegate and scale your business is definitely a big lesson and a big learning, so definitely agree with you there. And CL isn't the only thing you do, you're also involved in archives, so do you want to talk about that a little bit as well? Yeah, I'm super excited about that one, um, especially. So for those of the people that don't know, Archive is Canada's largest consignment pop-up for men, women, and children. How it got there, I don't even know. The community again. So Archive started last year in May of 2000, yeah, 2018. Our first event happened in the fall, and then we had our second event in the spring of this year. And we first started it because we needed to create this space where people could, you know, sell their clothes so that other people could take on items that others no longer wanted, but get a higher commission and not have to be as curated with their selection when they go to the stores. Because a lot of the stores that offer commission on consignment, they're quite picky and they take, you know, either things that are current and on trend, which is totally understandable because they have overhead, they have so many things that they need to take into consideration. But with us, 
we don't curate and we take everything and anything as long as it is in resale condition and so that allows you as the seller to really purge your closet of the things that no longer serve you and give them to someone else that will really cherish it yeah that's amazing and building upon that can you share some of the feedback you've gotten for archive because i feel like it's been really really positive which is so awesome to see yeah it has and it's really you know interesting because vancouver at least in my mind hasn't really been a city that takes on new things very fast they kind of wait to see how it does and then they adopt it um they adopted this even before it ever happened which is awesome yeah super awesome because our event is also very much fueled by the community if we didn't have them then we would literally have there would be no archive Getting people to sign up as sellers or come as shoppers has been really crucial for us, and everyone has been so supportive. We, you know, we're always blown away by the amount of support that we we have received, and I think, in part, it's because everybody wants to do their part for the community and they want to do their part for sustainability. And Archive truly is a way for us to create a circular economy in apparel in Vancouver. And people really want to be a part of that, especially now because it's such a hot topic. Yeah, and honestly, as a watcher from the sidelines that's definitely cheering you guys on, it's been so awesome to see the level of positive feedback you guys have gotten. So yeah, keep killing it. But with that, I'm sure Archive still came with its challenges or learning lessons, so hoping you could share some with us as well. The biggest lesson is don't take on more than you can chew. (laughs) But that's kind of been like my entire career. I've always been someone that's like, I'm going to do this and then I'll figure it out later. The biggest challenge with Archive, you know, funny enough, hasn't been the logistics of it or the support or the making the event happen. It's really just been finding a venue that can support us. And we're so lucky that High Street in Abbotsford has come, you know, to us and said, hey, we can host you. We have the space. So that has something that has kind of limited us because we also do want to take archive across the nation. Yeah, we want to, you know, all of Canada. We want to go into the U.S. We really want to expand. Um, so it's going to be finding the venues that can kind of hold the amount of clothes and the amount of shoppers um, because so many times we, we, you know, I've done it before on a small scale with blogger clothing sales. And those are great, but we really want to make an impact, and so we got to go big. Yeah. Um, and with going big comes big space, and we can't always find that. Yeah, I'm definitely a victim to biting off more than I can chew as well, but I think that happens when you're so passionate about it. But it's great that you're aware now and you have learned from it. And I know at Archive, you guys weigh all of the clothes that are sold. So I would love for you to share the stats on how much textile waste you were able to divert from landfill. Yeah, so we weigh all of our clothing. And we, uh, actually, I'll tell you how that works. So you as a shopper, you come to Archive and you find something you love. You come to the register. And before you cash out, you weigh your clothes. And we do that in collaboration with Framework. They come with the scale and they weigh the clothes. The very first event we did last fall, we diverted 500 pounds of apparel from the landfill, wow. which was great. We didn't expect that. Our second event, we doubled it to 1,000. Mm-hmm. And for the event coming up, we're really hoping to double it again, if not a little bit more. Wow. Good for you guys. That's so awesome and so inspiring. 
And I know you do Archive with Kelly, who unfortunately couldn't make the interview today, but I feel like you guys complement each other and work really, really well together. So would love for you to share any tips on being a partner with someone because I feel like you guys do it really well. Yeah, that's exactly it. Kelly and I, we complement each other so well. It's almost like we came into this being like, okay, so you're just going to do this and I'm going to do this. Like we just kind of took on our strengths already and they were the strengths that neither I mean like Kelly has my strengths and I have hers but she does hers really well and I do mine really well so Kelly handles pretty much all of the branding all of the design a lot of the logistics she's very much a logistic person she likes to look at things and make them better which is great to have in a partner for myself I take on a lot of the marketing the social media the partnerships with retailers sellers shoppers um, brands that are involved with us because uh, we do have retailers that pop up in the space as well a lot of the community management comes mm-hmm. from my end so bring all those things together and you kind of have like the perfect cocktail for a great event and for people that are based in Vancouver that want to become a seller or want to come out to one of your events how can they find you yeah, if you want to be a seller or even just a shopper, you can find us at Hey Archive on social media or go to heyarchive.ca. Up there, uh, you can sign up, you can follow all of our updates. The next event is going to be at High Street Shopping Center in Abbotsford on November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Shifting gears a little bit to focus on sustainability, I'm curious about your sustainability journey. Were you always sustainable or if not, what was the trigger point? Would love for you to share. Yeah, I threw my clothes in the garbage four years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I will, I'm not afraid to admit that because yeah. I know that there are other people out there that are still throwing away their clothes. Yeah. And it took me to get to a certain point to realize you shouldn't do that. And you know, for a lot of people, they're going to think, how do you not know to throw your clothes in the garbage? But some people truly don't know. Yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, I've been a blogger for over a decade, so you could imagine the amount of clothing that has been provided to me and gifted to me for me to wear onto my site and share with my readers. And I just had so many pieces. And so then the pieces that were either damaged or stained or, you know, just I couldn't wear them, and I didn't think that they were suitable to be donated, I would put in the garbage. So my sustainability journey has really come a long way. It didn't always have everything involved in it. So like recycling and and food and beauty. It started with my clothes. And then it went into my uh, beauty. And then it went into the way that we cook, the way that we shop, you know, plastic bags, uh, household product, you know, all the things now that come with a more sustainable lifestyle. So it took me a couple years to really get to where I am now. And what caused you to think like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be throwing my clothes away in the garbage? Like, was it a documentary or what triggered that? It was more so uh, just like all the research and all of the reading that had come my way. All of the stuff that I had ignored Mm. previous to that. Um, When I had that like aha moment of, oh my God, I have so many clothes. And that's also when I started Archive with Kelly Turner, who's the co-founder. 
it was more so these little things that were like, oh, this isn't good. I need to research more about this. And then just understanding what happens to your clothes when they end up in the landfill. And then thinking, oh my God, what have I done? And then mm-hmm. discovering, well, what happens if I donate it? Is it going to be recycled if it's not in resale condition? And then discovering that it is. And so, you know, you kind of take these baby steps that lead to these bigger picture moments. And I know you're also a local blogger and influencer, so would love to chat about that because I know a lot of people, myself included, we like following certain people because we like their style, but it definitely kills me inside when I watch hauls or people opening PR packages and they're getting like 50 shades of a foundation when they only probably need one, max two, you know, so. I've been that influencer. Yeah, and so in today's age where people are becoming influencers, becoming their own boss, and becoming entrepreneurial, which is totally awesome, can the industry and the people in the industry shift to be a little bit more conscious and more sustainable and not promote so much consumerism? Yeah, you know, if you asked me this question four years ago, in fact, someone did, and I said, I don't think bloggers will become sustainable. Wow. And now, look at me. I mean, I'm I'm promoting (laughs) sustainability on my blog. In fact, when I got to the point where I could no longer be that blogger that I was before, mm-hmm. um, I thought I was going to lose all of my sponsorships, my partners. I thought I was going to lose all of my brand affiliations. I thought I was going to lose my business. Yeah. In fact, it did better mm-hmm. because all of those brands I thought that I was going to lose, they wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. They wanted to be a part of that movement. But, you know, you do see a lot of influencers on there that are still receiving a lot of product and like the 50 shades of foundation i mean i was that person literally last christmas received 50 shades of foundation and i'm not even a makeup blogger yeah so what am i supposed to do with it give it to a shelter because they're gonna need it right but a lot of these influencers i feel like they're taking on product because a lot of them don't know how to say no or they don't want to say no they haven't done the journey themselves they don't know where to start or they are scared that if they are no longer accepting these items that they are going to lose their business i can't say what everyone's doing with all of their products but i have been to a lot of people's homes where they just have piles and piles of stuff that has never been opened and a lot of the agencies are also sending us stuff without us knowing. So then how do you block that, right? You have to tell them, please don't send me anything unless I know what it is. Personally, if an agency wants to send me anything, I have to know what it is, and they can only send it to me if the packaging is 100% recyclable. Most of the time, they don't send it. I think it's amazing that you have those guidelines and almost those boundaries set out. But for any existing influencers that want to switch to become a little bit more conscious and more green, do you have any tips on how they can start and approach it? Because I can imagine it can be kind of daunting to go to a brand and say, you know, I don't want any more product anymore, or even say that to your management. So any tips? Yeah, of course. I would say, first of all, just remember why you're doing this. If it is to showcase that you have a lot of stuff, then you're doing great. But if it's to really inspire people and create change and use your platform for the greater good, then you're going to have to start to kind of look at all the different areas of your life and see what you can start to pick away at slowly. If you're a lifestyle influencer, let's say, and you don't do as many 
beauty videos or beauty posts as much as let's say fashion, then why don't we start to take away some of those, uh, you know, those beauty products or those sponsorships and stuff like that, things that just no longer serve you or the community that you're talking to. But really just kind of looking at your life and seeing what is true to you. And if you feel like you're consuming too much, then you are. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be up to you to kind of eliminate that because your readership isn't going to tell you. Totally love it. And how do you think everyday consumers can do their part? I think that people need to ask questions. Mm. First and foremost, always ask questions. I talk about this quite a bit. If you are unsure, okay, let's say we'll use beauty again, for example, or even fashion. If you're going to a store and you're going to buy something and you're unsure of its sustainability, you know, mandate from the brand or whatever, ask the brand or ask the store. If the store doesn't know, go to Instagram and DM the brand and they will give you your question. What is this made of? I don't know what this product is. I don't know what this ingredient is. Where is this cotton source from? You know, where was this made? Just ask all the questions because the brand, it's really their job to to tell us where things are coming from. And if they're not going to tell you, then they're hiding something. And then maybe you shouldn't buy that product. And I'm curious, when you buy fashion or beauty or skincare or what have you now, Do you have a certain criteria or what goes through your mind before you purchase something? I am still a victim of impulse shopping every now and then. I think it's something that is just so embedded in most of us because we've been trained to consume. I'm not a huge shopper as is, but you know, when there is something that catches my eye and I want it, I will probably buy it. But I have gone from shopping at places like Zara Forever 21 and H&M to not even stepping in their stores probably in like over a year. And if I want something, like for example, I have a wedding coming up that I need to attend to and I need a dress. Mm -hmm. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask my friends if they have something I can borrow. If they don't, I'm going to go to a consignment store, buy something secondhand. And if I can't find anything, then I'm going to go back to my closet I'm going to see, can I, you know, maybe alter something, get it fixed. And then if there's nothing, then I'll go to one of my favorite stores. And typically those stores are going to have sustainability mandates themselves. They're not going to be fast fashion. Um, The item is going to be made from a natural fiber as opposed to a synthetic. You know, you have to give yourself a checklist and you have to make sure that you set your own boundaries and kind of stay within them. And speaking of consignment, can you share what some of your favorite consignment, thrift, or brands are in Vancouver? Oh my goodness, on the spot. <laughs> um, the first one that comes to my mind is Harley J. Yeah. Um, local, super, super great. It's kind of like this 70s chic for the modern woman. Sonia Lee, they're leather handbags. They're handmade here in Vancouver. Um, what else? Oh my gosh, we have Kari Yu jewelry. We have... Oh, Melissa Araujo, she's jewelry and clothes. Um, for like a larger store, I actually really do like going to Frankenoak. A lot of my friends also shop at Frankenoak. They are a company that aims to be almost fully sustainable and uh, renewable. So that is something that's really great. A lot of their clothing is going to be made from organic cotton and organic fibers, and they're doing their part, and I'm totally there to support that. And throughout this episode, you've mentioned the word community a lot, which I think is really important. And I think you are really good at fostering a really good 
close-knit group of people that are die-hard fans. And I've seen that through CL, I've seen that with Archive, and also with your own engagement on your social medias because you are a local influencer. So would love for you to share any marketing tips or just anything you have on how to create an engaged and loyal community. Woo! <laughs> These questions are so good. <laughs> okay, discovering what your why is. I always talk about that. Discovering what your why is and how you can connect that to your readership and to your clients and to uh, you know all of your marketing efforts. I also teach at JCI for social media and what I tell them all the time is, you know, if you're working for a brand or you're starting a brand yourself and they're coming to either your channels or your website, you know, anything that's at point of contact with the brand, what can they take away from you? Because a lot of the times, let's say if you're a brand and you have a social media account and someone follows you, it's almost like, oh great, they did something for you. They've followed you. They've given you a higher number of followers. But really, what are you doing for them? So when they've come to your account, it's like they've walked into your store. Mm -hmm. So they followed you. They walked into your store. When they look at all of your content, they're looking at all of your, all of, you know, the clothes or whatever it is that you have in your store. They're looking at your stock. What are they going to take away? Are they going to learn something? Are they going to feel good? Are they going to feel inspired? You got to look at it that way because otherwise you're just going to be pushing out all this content and all these marketing initiatives and it's going to fall flat. But you got to connect with your customer, with your reader base, and it's really for them. It's not for you. Yeah, and on that note, I totally forgot that you teach at John Casablanca Institute as well. I know, so did I. Yeah, but it's a lot, right? Because you teach at JCI, you have CL, your agency, you have Archive, and you still blog, right? Yes. Yeah, I took a little bit of a break, but um, as of last week, I jumped right back into it. So yeah, yeah, blog, Archive, CL, JCI. The magic question here is, do you believe in balance? How do you balance it all? And personally, I hate the word balance, but just curious about how you juggle it all and stay sane. I love that question because I don't believe in balance. Um, I did before and somebody said to me, you know, they said, I don't like that word balance. And I said, why? And they go, because in order to balance something, you know, something has always got to give. It's never really going to be balanced because if we're always striving for it, you know, how is it ever there? They said, look at it as harmony. So instead of trying to get things to be evened out and, you know, you're doing this and then you're doing this, it's almost like if you look at it as being harmonious with each other, then everything can kind of just work in tandem with each other as opposed to giving all your time to one thing. I like to have all my hands in every pot, which means I can, you know, have harmony while doing that as opposed to giving my attention to one thing at a time. And on that note, how do you take care of yourself? How do you prevent yourself from, you know, burning out? Because it's a real thing. Burnout's a real thing. I know. Yeah, and I know a lot of people go through it. And I almost went through it recently, and I caught myself right before. Mm-hmm. I had just completely overextended. I was doing a lot of my self-care. I was still giving my time to workout classes and do all those things for me. Um, But I had just taken on way too much and I knew it, but I was locked into it. um, And I needed to just kind of power through and really taking those breaks. Mm. 
helps so much. So every time, you know, every day I'd feel like I was a little overwhelmed. So then I would just give myself a 15 minute break or a five minute break, literally just go look out a window or just go outside or just do something. Um, when you're able to make those little moments happen for you, burnout starts to dissipate a little more and more. So just always being conscious of the fact that you feel it. Don't ignore the fact that you're about to burn out. Mm-hmm. You know, acknowledge it and tackle it head on. Yeah, I think listening to yourself and giving yourself those little 10 to 15 minute breaks can really do wonders. And I know you mentioned that you caught yourself before burning out. So I would love to know how you knew that you were about to burn out because for a lot of people that have never experienced burnout before, it's pretty common for their first time to kind of just hit them like a tsunami. So it's great that you were able to catch yourself, but could you describe maybe some of the things you were noticing or feeling? I think some people also feel it differently, but, um, you know, you're fatigued, you aren't, you're missing meals, you're kind of just like powering through you're dehydrated, um, you're not focused, and you're uninspired, and you just kind of feel really frazzled. Mm. Um, And you feel all those things at once, Mm. which is quite a lot. And that's not even full burnout. That's getting to burnout, right? So just feeling extremely overwhelmed is probably a really good way to put it. Yeah, that's super helpful, and it makes sense. And along the lines of burnout and what causes burnout, I think social media is a big part of it. Both of us have businesses and we both have personal Instagrams and social medias as well. And so in today's day and age where it's almost necessary to be on social for your business and you also feel pressured to engage with your community. So, you know, answer every DM and replying to every comment. How do you personally draw that line? Because it's not healthy for us to be scrolling through Instagram and or looking on Facebook all the time. So how do you deal with that? This also comes with burnout, right? Like a lot of those things can lead to that, um, like you're saying. So I learned when I met my boyfriend, now Alex. Hi, Alex. (laughs) I (laughs) Shout out. I learned from him how to set boundaries. And not boundaries with other people, boundaries with yourself. And um, I was the kind of person that, you know, I would work until 10 p.m. because I really liked my job. But when we really like our job, that's, I think, when we have to set the boundaries more so than when we hate our job. Mm -hmm. So I um, kind of gave myself the boundaries of when 5 or 6 p.m. hits, the work phone goes away in my office. I don't take it out. I close the computer, I end my workday, I don't answer client emails or phone calls or text messages, you know, but sometimes you don't want to be rude, so I don't answer the phone call, but I will answer the text and I'll say, thank you for bringing this to my attention, I will take a look at it tomorrow first thing in the morning. And doing these things, just setting these like time, uh, like deadlines almost for yourself of I'm not going to touch this now I'm not going to get to this now Um, it really gives you the chance to turn off for at least half the day so that you can reset because there's nothing worse than doing a full work day and then still working and then going to bed and then waking up and doing it all over again and I think it's also realizing that at the end of the day like no It's very morbid, but like no one's dying, so it's fine. You know, like it can stay in the drawer and you don't have to look at it. That's the thing, right? I mean, like recently, have you come inexperienced with 
anything like that? Like, what kind of boundaries do you have for yourself? I'm trying to get better at it. Like, for working out, like, I'll schedule it at all. Yeah. And it's, like, that's my time. Yeah. Um, I have to go to yoga, like, at least once a week. Yeah. That's also my time. Do you and do it I, in the morning or in the evening? Um, it depends on the week. Yeah. Um, and then for meditation, though, that's the thing. Like, I try to do at least eight minutes in the morning and eight minutes in the evening. Wow. And that's, like, my time. Because yeah. I heard this interview, I forget who it was, but he was saying if you can't make, like, 10 to 20 minutes for yourself in a day, like, you don't have a life. And you don't have a lot. Yeah. And it's also, okay. what kind of day is that when you're not yeah. doing anything for yourself, yeah. right? And you're doing everything for other people. Yeah, it's so true. And in your situation where you have basically three different businesses plus you teach, how do you manage your time and how do you manage your calendar? Do you have any tips on how to be efficient and productive? So I have deadlines actually with my clients where I can get things to them on certain days. So like, let's say it's social media, I need to get the calendar to them, you know, uh, Wednesday by noon. That way I know that Monday and Tuesday, I got to do that. And then I'll hear from them on Friday during our call and then I'm good. When it comes to having all of your to-dos, which could feel like a lot of stuff, I tend to divvy it out into my working hours. So like I said, I only really work until five or six. So I give myself 40 hours a week to work. And what I do every Sunday or every Monday is I use Google Calendar. And what I'll do is on the Monday, I will put in every possible to-do I can think of for the entire week. And my Monday looks freaking terrifying because it's like all these to-dos, right? I can't even go down the list fast enough. And then what I do is I start to move them into other days of the week or other weeks that I know that I could do them. And all of a sudden, you know, all these like 40, 50 items that are in my Monday, it's like now I only have to do three things on that Monday and one thing on the Tuesday and five things on a four like a Friday and then the other ones happen the weeks after Mm -hmm. so just kind of like prioritizing what you need to do and setting the, the time and the day aside that's helpful I think I do that and then what I find happens is that in the day other stuff comes up that's sure like oh yeah so how do you deal with that I still get everything done mm-hmm. within the 40 hours and if I didn't get to my to-do mm-hmm. I move it to the next day mm-hmm. yeah I don't try and get every single thing done on that day because sometimes yeah. like you're saying it just doesn't happen yeah. and these like little fires come up right yeah. so I deal with the fires and then if the thing that I didn't get done is really not a priority then I just move it to the next day and then I do it first thing the next day okay cool I love that I feel like you've set some really good boundaries for yourself and really good processes so good for you thank you it's awesome and going into self-care a little bit more I would love to hear how you take care of yourself yeah so very similar to you like I have to I have to work out Mm -hmm. you know at least twice a week um so I do on Sundays I create my workout schedule and I give myself two to three days a week to go to a morning class um I make sure that I go to a morning class because I know that in the evenings I get really tired and I'm just not going to go. And how many times have you probably booked an evening workout class and then you're like, I'm just not going to go, right? But if you do it first thing when you wake up, then it's completely out of the way. You've already accomplished so much before your work day. Other ways that I you know, give myself that time is the first hour of the morning is like really for me. Yep. 
the TV doesn't get turned on. I won't go on social media unless I know that there's someone that I need to talk to or like maybe it's like my friend or my mom, you know, I mean like sometimes those things come up, but I use the first hour to like, I take a shower, I do my skincare routine, which is also my eight minutes for meditation. And then um, I do anything like laundry or um, doing the dishes and then I make myself breakfast. And then once 9am hits, I open my office door and then my workday begins. And so we're working together on something really, really exciting, and it's going to be called... Style Swap, (laughs) presented by Archive and Recloseted, and it's going to be a Vancouver-based clothing swap, and we're super, super pumped. Yeah, I'm so excited because I've never been to a clothing swap before, and... Really? Yes, I've never. I mean, like... Wait, I I didn't know this. No, I mean, girl, I threw my clothes in the garbage four years ago. (laughs) Give me some time. True. So... You only organize Canada's largest... (laughs) but you you don't do clothing swaps until now but this is going to be super fun because not only are people that are already familiar with archive going to get to learn about recloseted Mm -hmm. and all the things that you guys do but it's also going to give people that can't make it to archive because it's in abbotsford it's going to give them a chance to um, be a part of something that we're doing and so okay the first day is going to be in vancouver on september 19th And we are also hosting another clothing swap in Abbotsford on September 28th. So this will be great for everyone in the Fraser Valley. And if you're in Vancouver, make sure you come out to one of our clothing swaps. And I'll put all of the event links in the show notes. Yeah, 100%. And I guess for people that don't know what a clothing swap is, it's like so self-explanatory. You literally just swap clothes with another person. You bring a max of five items and you get to leave with a max of five items. And all of those items are free. Mm-hmm. It's literally like free shopping, so it's great. Okay, and to close things off, do you have any last words of advice or tips when it comes to sustainability or even business? Yeah. You know, with sustainability, generally, if it doesn't feel good, it's probably not good. Mm. Your gut knows when something's not good, and uh, your mind gets so inundated, I think, with so many things that people are telling you to do. And if you know that you shouldn't do it, even if it just doesn't feel good for you, Mm -hmm. just don't do it. And don't be afraid to be that person. I'm totally that person. The other day, my boyfriend wanted to go and get bubble tea, but I didn't have my jar. Mm -hmm. So I was that Debbie Downer that was like, you know what? I can't get bubble tea because I don't have my jar because I didn't want to use one of their single-use cups. Yeah. So it's okay to be that person. And when it comes to anything in, in business, just um, remember your why and involve the community. And yeah, I mean, you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't fail if the community is really involved. So, Yes, love that. Anyways, thank you so much, Randa, for coming on to our Recloseted Radio podcast. It was a pleasure to have you on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And that was today's episode and interview with Randa. Like we mentioned near the end of the episode, we are hosting a clothing swap in Vancouver called Style Swap. And if the first two go well, we will probably be doing more in the future. So make sure you check out all of the links in the show notes. I will also have all of Randa's links for CL and also Archive down in the show notes as well, along with her personal Instagram too. If you want to help us spread fashion sustainability and recruit more members to join our recloseted movement, Make sure you leave us a rating and review, that really helps us. And take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and post it to your Instagram stories and tag us at Recloseted. 
That helps us spread the word, and it's also really cool seeing you guys listen to our episodes. I hope you have an amazing week, and remember, we are all in this together, and together we will write the harmful fashion industry.